Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Expose yourself. Show them what you're all about. Dragged Out. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Expose Dragged Out. It's the podcast where I talk to some of those individuals who are on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. But you know what? We're going to, like, chop it up this time. We're going to add a little bit of zest into this. I interviewed this diva about a year ago at the start of all this stuff. Um, let's welcome the one, the only, it's the Vixen. How are you doing? Hey, hey. I'm good, babe. How you doing? I am good. I have been, like, loving looking at your Twitter, been seeing what you've been up to. You have been doing the most, always, and... Before we even get started into everything, I would like to know, it's been a year. How do you feel now being on OnlyFans for a little bit more than a year? I really like it. It's been like, uh, it's kind of been a catalyst for me, uh, like in this journey of, so I turned 30 last year. I started growing out like my body hair. It's really given me like a chance to just explore myself as a man. Like I spent... I've been doing drag since 2013, really, like full-time lip-syncing drag. And I was androgynous before that in high school and everything. So I never really grappled with the idea of me being a man, really, because it was always so fluid. And I feel like the older I get, I've kind of become more solid in my cisness, <laughs> I guess. Because, yeah, especially when I was young, it was like, well, am I trans? And it was like, okay, no, you're not trans. You're like, And I think um, I don't even really pat myself on the back as like a gender nonconforming person because I get paid to do it. And so it's like, okay, so outside of that, who are you? And um, being able to express myself on OnlyFans and like explore, you know, like this new body that I'm creating for myself has been really, really fun. And um, hey, and it pays the bills. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure it also has helped you like gain a sense of like more self-confidence too. I can only imagine. Because like if yeah. you're, you're literally, now that your your form of art is like, you know, your physical body, you probably are like getting more in touch with it because, you know, we keep our shirts and everything on a majority of the day. You're not really paying attention <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but have you seen that like improve? Have you seen like your acceptance of your body improve? Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, especially doing drag and before drag race, you know, there's such a mode of like what you think a rude girl is and you're trying to fit that. And I was, you know, on that path, it was like a five-year, six-year plan. And so there was like so much that I was shrinking about myself, you know, like 
uh, shaving. I didn't work out because I didn't want my arms to get too muscular and like all of these things. And so allowing my body to do what it was born to do and seeing that and celebrating that has been really cool. Yeah, I found a different kind of sexy. <laughs> yeah, it's been really fun. I'm, it's November, so I'm doing no shave November. I got a full beard. I'm telling myself, I'm keeping in mind that I have to shave in about a week, <laughs> but I don't. I, I get very attached to my beard, but I, I don't know if I'm ready to be a full-time bearded queen yet. <laughs> you, you said you're doing no shave November. Are you doing no nut November as well? Uh, no, that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that also does not mesh with my career <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah, no, that lasted for about four unintentional days. And uh, it's good to be home. It's good to be I, home. <laughs> I love that you said unintentional. Um, yeah. I was so, like, I haven't had a nut, but I'm not playing your game with you. Yeah. Before. No, I've I, just I've, been very busy. Mm, so as as everything is kind of coming to a close this year, you know, we have November and December left. I would love to know, like, what are your traditions holiday wise? Do you do anything? Do you get excited? Are you the type of person who doesn't care? Like, what is what's your trajectory? It's what you would expect the drag queen to be. I am crazy about the holidays. October came and I got two bales of hay and like all these like fake pumpkins and gourds and stuff in my house. I am, I'm a seasonal depression kind of person. So I have to lean in with the holiday cheer. I have to like really go nuts with it. I gave myself hay fever because you're not supposed to have bales of hay in your house. I learned that the hard way, but I'm better now. That was a funny, like only something a drag queen would do. And, uh, yeah, so I'm leaving for New Orleans tomorrow to see my family. Uh, my mom's down there, but I think I might put my tree up today because I want to come home to it and be like fully immersed in like the holiday. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're putting ours up this weekend and I'm like so excited for it. I'm like, literally, I know that it's early and I don't care if it's early. It's like, it just makes you happy, you know? Yeah, you gotta, you really have to actively fight the gloom. And like here in Chicago, it gets gloomy really fast. So I'm being very proactive about it and just being like, hey, glitter, glitter, glitter. <laughs> I also think that it's like such a crazy thing to even think about that like it's already the end of the year. Like I, I think about that over and over again. I'm like, wait, did I feel like it was literally just January. I feel like we just celebrated yeah. Christmas and it's all back around again. In Chicago, how is the scene now that are things opening back up? Like what's that like? Yeah, this year has like had so many sagas for me and I'm I'm the same way. I feel like, okay, how has it been a full 2021? Um, but yeah, so the beginning of the year was very slow and everybody was still trepidatious. But like as soon as June hit, things here pretty much opened up right away. And then Pride season happened at the same time. So I was traveling again. There was so much to do in Chicago. I feel like the summer just ended two weeks ago for me because I've been pretty nonstop since then. So yeah, it's been a lot and I'm still kind of like taking it. Okay, like, okay, you have. End of the year, I always like take stock of like what I've accomplished and all of those things. And I was like, wow, this year, it like, because I had a lot of fun. That's the thing. I guess, you know, last year we had so many worries and I was able to kind of shed that and have a lot more fun this year and still like work and travel. And I did so many like big stage events that we wouldn't have possibly been able to do. So I'm, I'm glad that the year is rounding out. I'll be 31 in two weeks. Um, so I'm having a 30th birthday party, though. I, I didn't get to do it last year, so I'm having a 30th birthday party. Yeah, yeah well, well, happy happy early birthday. You, you're in the same 
realm that I am, I was so excited because it was like, all right, it's my 30th. We are going to celebrate. And then it was like COVID. And I was like, well, yeah. I wanted a big birthday party. I never do a big birthday party. It's the one right. time I wanted one. And it's like, yeah, I was like saving up for the big one. And yep. then, yeah. So I am, and I'm like not super motivated, but I'm forcing myself to have it because I owe it to myself to have a big birthday party for my 30th. So yeah, yeah. you, you deserve it. Is, is there a theme? Are you wanting to do anything special or is it? Uh, I'm going to do a drag show at Roscoe's one night. The 10th is the day before my birthday. And then on the 11th, I'm just going to have like close friends over and, you know, deck my house out and everything. And be cute. Yeah. <laughs> so Christmas wise, do you have any special holiday movies that mean something to you? Do you watch anything like that? Is there a special one? Yeah, my favorite is The Preacher's Wife, which is Whitney Houston and Denzel yes. Washington. It's just, it's just good. It's like the music is good. It's so, it's what I like to watch when I put up my tree, actually. So thank you for reminding me. Of course, yeah. get it all ready. That's funny. Like I always like have these visions. You know, when I was like younger, when I went from like the 15 to like 18 stage, it was like Christmas wasn't that big of a deal to me. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like all cool. And like my parents want to make me try to do something. And then now it's like I'm becoming my parents, you know, when it comes down to like how special these holidays are. But I think (laughs) it also has something to do with kind of like what you said about, you know, we the seasonal depression, you know, like you don't want it to hit. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I already know that I'm going to start feeling some type of way. How can I make myself happy? Yeah, exactly. It's not for anybody else. It's just to like brighten up your own environment so that you don't sit in gloom and like watch the world get darker and darker. That's, that's it was like, it's like a soundtrack happening. Like if, if the music gets bad, then you're going to also spiral. So you got to come back. That's, that was a good metaphor. <laughs> if the music is bad, you're going to spiral. That is true. Yeah. It's like, it's like at a club when that DJ turns on that wrong song and then you're ready to leave. Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, oh, oh, they want us to go. <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing recently, you've been putting a lot of stuff up on Twitter about, and I would love to talk about this topic with you just for the fact of I've been kind of the same way you are. Like, we had a cisgender male, Harry Styles, you know, he's been all over the cover of magazines, you know, in more feminine clothing and dresses and things that are more common for a woman to wear. And everybody makes a big deal about it. And then you have Lil Nas X, who's also doing something very similar. But he is actually, you know, gay, like out and gay and there. And, you know, Harry Styles has made comments before that he's, you know, sexual fluid and things like that. But do you think that we are hyping up straight people for doing things that gay people have been doing forever? Yeah, absolutely that gay people have been doing forever, that Black people have been doing forever. And it's really tired because I think the conversation about the problem has also been going on long enough that, like, seeing it continued is a slap in the face. And it's just like, come on. And it's Lil Nas X, it's Billy Porter. And it's like, there are even, like, white queer people who are out, like, Ali, years and years, and, like, all of these people who you could, like, really look to, but the big machine is still supporting queer baiting and don't get me wrong like back in the day when nick jonas was on kingdom Mm -hmm. and he was you know the will they want they kind of thing it it got me too but it's like okay how much of this can we take especially now that we have credible like sources of inspiration for these things and it's like what does it say to the like little queer babies who 
actually need that representation and what they're getting is someone who isn't authentically queer. It sucks. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing too. I also was got to the point where I was like, okay, well, he wore a dress on the cover of whatever months ago, and then he's doing it again three or four months from now. And I'm like, did you, I mean, in my head, I'm like, did you not already learn your lesson the first time and people are already calling you out and now you're going to keep pushing yourself to do more? Uh, I think the profit, the profit from it is much bigger than the backlash. And so they don't care. They're just going to keep doing it. Uh, Yeah, so I'm trying to like, for my own piece, I'm trying to, Instead of just attacking Harry Styles, which would be very easy for me, <laughs> I'm trying to just focus on uplifting people like Little Nas and Billy Porter and redirecting that energy in a positive way because you know how I can get. So I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to let me lead with love. <laughs> yeah. And I will say that Lil Nas X has been the one thing that I wish that I would have had as a child, just being yeah. able to see this man just have his own authentic journey and be like growing up in this way of like showing all this stuff in mainstream media. I'm like, damn, if I was 13 years old and saw him making out with somebody on a stage, I probably would have been like, oh my gosh, I finally feel represented, you know? Like it's somebody there. And the kids these days- Even with coming out, coming out to like your parents, you would have somebody to point to and be like, look, this person's gay, they're successful, they're flamboyant. Um, Even for me, like when I started doing drag, Drag Race was still like taking off and I was like trying to show my mom like, okay, look, look, they did it. They have a job, they're secure, they tour and everything. And like, you know, trying to prove that it was credible. And so having that, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's it's beyond. And I like keep giving him props over and over again. I'm like the visuals you're putting out. I have no idea if it's all of you and your creative team or who it is, but like keep it coming. Like Music's good, visuals. Even the fact that there's a team willing to support that, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of times, I also feel like you can have a lot of queer artists who are very, very good musically or very good, like, you know, artistically, and the labels and stuff don't want to push for it. And Yeah, because they don't believe that there'll be a support. And I think, you know, Old Town Road kind of gave him a lot of cachet to have the freedom to do what he wants and thank God for it. A lot of my friends now are like, well, I like Lil Nas, but I don't know if his music is for me. I was like, it doesn't have to be for me. I'm going to support it anyway. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Even even if you're not for it, like you said, like, you know, just supporting. Hey, you know, hit the follow button on his Twitter and then hit the mute if you're not all for it. Like, you know, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. way you're at least bringing up somebody in our community who's doing all of yeah. this stuff. I think he's closer to the Gen Z than millennial spectrum. And so Mm -hmm. that is kind of hard for like my crew, but I'm like, I actually, I like his music too, especially because it's all so eclectic and it's all so genre bending. And um, so I really get down with the whole package. I'm (laughs) I'm into it. And he's fine as fuck. He's so sexy. Yes. And that (laughs) he does, he does all the little thing he does with his eyes too. Like, you know, like there's this little, like little squinty thing he does. I'm like, yeah. Jesus, like, what What are you doing? What are you doing yeah. to me? Um, Don't let me run into him at an after party. It will be the scandal. <laughs> oh. I'm just saying now. I would be, I, you would never hear about it, but it would be the scandal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can the ship NBA. you. 
I uh-huh. ship you. I ship you. Thank you. Thank you. That's one supporter. <laughs> I need a hundred more signatures. <laughs> <laughs> he requires he requires a change.org petition in order to uh-huh. have a night with him. <laughs> Um, one thing that went really popular, you know, this past year too, was the Chicago Drag Excellence video that showed a lot yeah. of, you know, people from Chicago. And I think when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that you all had so many different performers and different artistic talent from one range to another. Did that do anything for the drag scene in Chicago? Did you guys see any uptick or any more reaching out or anything from that? Yeah, definitely. Um, Chicago has for a long time now been kind of a role model, I think, for other drag scenes, especially because we we just have like a generation of drag queens that like made it onto Drag Race. I love telling this story. Like back in the day when I started, you used to be able to see Kim, Chi, Trixie, Shay, Pearl, and me all for five dollars. <laughs> <Like you, laughs> And one night, get all of that. And then we all graduated on to Drag Race. And so then that kind of created a buzz. And so then we had so many girls moving to Chicago just to audition for Drag Race, basically. And then with Black Girl Magic being in Chicago, there was like an uptick of Black queens starting to do drag in Chicago. So I think now, like having Denali make this Chicago Drag Excellence video, one, it was just a feather in all of our caps because we all already knew what was up. But I think it definitely again, put us like on the map as being one of the more solid drag scenes. And I was just talking to this with some of the queens yesterday. It's like, Chicago, you come to a drag show and half of the people in the audience are also drag queens because we all love drag and we all support each other. I think we support drag. Like, even if you don't love every queen on the show, you still come to the show because you love drag. And we like kind of revel in our community. We don't... um we don't just get our check and go. Like we like to be in the drag scene here. And so it's really cool. That's good too, that like you guys all support and you know, you all are watching, you're all like learning more about the craft too at the exact same time that you're doing it. So what is it typically like in Chicago? I have never been, I have always wanted to go. Do you guys have a strip? Do you guys have like multiple clubs? Like what's the um, the gay scene like in Chicago and the drag scene? Yeah, we have a, we have a strip in Lakeview on the north side. Um, it used to be called Boys Town. I think we're trying to phase out the term Boys Town to be more gender inclusive. So we have a strip on Halstead that is about 10 gay bars and then off in a couple blocks, there's even more gay bars than that. So one of the things that makes Chicago unique is that there's so much opportunity. We always tell girls, like, if you come here and you don't see your type of drag, start a show because you can make it a thing because there's enough room for everybody to figure out their shit. I think New York queens are kind of territorial because it's like, oh, she's a Manhattan girl. Or she's a Here, it's like, you can be whatever. I think, if I'm being honest, I think it becomes more like, bar to bar it's like okay she's a charlie's girl she's yeah. a roscoe's girl <laughs> but even in that it's like um there's all still love and we all cross-pollinate and support chicago drag i think especially once drag race became like a machine chicago drag queens really figured out branding and so i think you'll notice we all are very good at like having our signatures and our like <laughs> our products and merch like even queens who don't have like Huge notoriety have t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to know now, like you said, there have 
so many iterations of Drag Race. This thing is blowing up into mm-hmm. different ways. Have you seen any stagnation or queens trying to fit a mold now to be on the show? Oh, definitely. And it's always um, it's always dependent on like what Chicago Queen was just on. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like after after Shay was on, there everybody was trying to like fit Shay's aesthetic. People stopped wearing hip pads and stuff like that. And then I was on it and everybody got super woke after I was on it. <laughs> you know, it's just so that definitely is a thing. I think, you know, now with Denali being on, I think. There's a lot of house music. There's a lot of Crystal Waters being played. Yes. <laughs> uh, Crystal Waters is actually going to be in town on my birthday, so I'm going to go see her. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, that's just how the bubble goes. And being on this side of it, like having done Drag Race, it's funny because I used to be like, anybody copying you, girl. And then I would start seeing my trends and signatures on other people and I was like ah and I was like okay I'm gonna just let the girls live but oh <laughs> yeah it's funny it definitely is a thing but then what happens is is the person who doesn't follow what everybody else is doing is the one that sticks out yeah because yeah. they're not paying attention to what they believe it should be they're just being their authentic selves which helps yeah and if everybody is doing the same thing then then none of it is special. And so the one who's doing a different thing is going to rise to the top. Yeah. How has it been since you have been on Drag Race? I know that there, you know, things started off extremely rocky for you afterwards and people coming against you, you know, internet wise and people can be some mean bitches. Have you seen improvement? Have you seen, you know, people now understanding you more? Like what, what's your take? Because at the end of the day, when you were on Drag Race, you were speaking about issues that were kind of advanced for the television age, I guess you would say. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. It definitely, you know, especially after the process that happened last year and the kind of, like, resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, there definitely has been improvement. But, like, last year, that was a bubble. And I think a lot of us knew that, okay, this is great, this is an opportunity that we need to jump on, but this trend is going to die down. And I think that's happened. I think when I go out now, especially in Chicago, obviously there's a lot of appreciation for me. And even when I travel, you know, there are people who really, really get it. And then there are still people who are like caught up in like whatever drag race drama. For me now, I mostly am just trying to move away from it. It's like, okay, I did it four years ago. It's like, okay, what is the next chapter of my life and how, can I like not make, I don't want to be beholden to a world of wonder for the rest of my life. Some girls, Correct. Are, some girls are very comfortable with that, but um, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew from when I filmed, I was like, okay, this is not a house that I agree with. It would be so much work on me to try to like exist in this world of wonder cinematic universe forever. Um, so I'm just looking for a way out <laughs> really. But that's, and, and but that's be, the good part. Yeah, it's a good part and it's fun. And it's like, that's what I like about doing OnlyFans or like working on my music is like, I started drag because I was doing music and writing songs and performing live. And so I want to go back to that mission statement and lean in and I, you know, I design and I do, I do everything creative. I've been really working on my house as you can see. Um, So just like finding joy outside of drag one and then finding a new joy in drag that isn't, Drag race centered is yeah you know, yeah. Um, 
let me let me ask you when it comes down to a show. So mm-hmm. people have seen you on Drag Race, but if they were to come to Chicago and see eviction show what can they expect like what are you what would the outfit be like like what would the music be like like what's your vibe when you're putting on a show yeah i think the biggest surprise like if you were to come to black girl magic and i'm hosting is that i'm funny (laughs) like (laughs) i like and i used to like harp on this but now it's like my friends and fans have like given it up it's like i am actually really really funny i'm i'm really great on the mic when i'm hosting mostly because black girl magic is not about like how fierce each individual queen is and who was your favorite which i think is a very drag race mind kind of thing but when you come to black girl magic you come to celebrate the queens and make them feel good and so when i'm on the microphone i'm just like hyping everybody up and it's all about like spreading love and sharing love back and forth with the audience. And I liken it to church. It's like, you come here with intention. You come here, like we all show up with a purpose. And so the energy in the room is a lot different than like a regular like tour show that you might go to. I won't diss any brands, but like a regular <laughs> tour show that you might see in Vegas or something. You like, you come to Black Girl Magic with the intent to make the person on stage feel good. And, he, and the girl who's on stage, she knows that, she's there to soak up love. And so it's a different type of vibe. So one, I'm hilarious. So (laughs) don't miss that. And then, yeah, I feel the love. (laughs) Have you, um, I, I think that you have done, you've have toured it before, right? With a few places, right? Usually if I travel, I try to convince like whatever bar I am at to book an all black local cast so that we can call it black girl magic. So yeah, wherever I am, black girl magic is there. And, uh, yeah. And then, we just did in October. I took Lucy Stuhl and Dita Ritz and we hosted at 340 Night Club. And so, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I like to take this show anywhere that I can. I one day hope that I can have like a Black Girl Magic tour bus and we can like really hit the road. That'll be fun. I also like want like a girl band too. Like I want like everything. <laughs> like I'm just envisioning yeah. this like Black Girl Magic with like a fucking like number one song, like touring Vixen on the and road. The Pussycats. Yeah. Yes, Bigs and the Pussycats. I like that. You mentioned Dita Ritz, and I chatted with her a few months ago. Absolutely love her. What is your relationship with her in the drag scene? Dita is my sister. I guess she's my big sis. Um, she lives about two blocks away from me. <laughs> too, so we see each other quite often. When I first started, Dita Ritz and Monica. Beverly Hills were like the first people who like stopped me after my first, you know, amateur thing. It was like, I don't know who you are, but you better come back next week. And I was like, okay. And this was like when they were like just on TV. So I was aghast and they really like motivated me to like stick with it. So now it's like, it's nice to not feel like a kid anymore, like around them, but I always hold so much respect for them because they pushed me to keep at it. Like, when really when there was barely any black queens in the scene and like when there was like when drag wasn't as lucrative as it is now. And so, yeah, those are my sis and my motivators for sure. That's a big thing I've always wondered too, when it comes down to like drag sisters and drag mothers, and you guys have these people that, you know, may have helped you when you were starting out. When the, when years go by, do you become more of like a bonded, like, People, or is it more so like, do you still view the other person as superior? Does that make sense? I know what you mean. I think for me, it's important to always hold respect and regard for them in that way. Like, 
you know, no matter how many followers I get versus them or whatever, I will never see them as anything less than my fairy godmothers. And I think now that we've been through so much and we have so many years together, we kind of are on the team. We're the old lady brigade to the new new generation. (laughs) Which is which is tough. It's like, oh, that was a punch in the gut, you know. As I'm also turning thirty, it was like, oh, I'm I'm grandma now. Okay, so, <laughs> um, yeah. And so, like now, it's uh, me, Dita Ritz, Lucy Stuhl. We did so much to make the scene more comfortable, more amicable for Black queens. And so now, there's so many more Black queens working in the scene. And I'll be honest, you know, a lot of times just some ungratefulness. A lot of them don't realize that they are like literally standing on our shoulders. But, you know, the old lady brigade is strong. (laughs) And I have no problem reminding people that they wouldn't even have wanted to do drag if I hadn't made it cool. So (laughs) not afraid to to put that little punch in. You got to You got to set them straight sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think you don't see it until you're on the other side. I'm sure like when I started, there were you know, queens who saw me as a kid who was talking too much and wanted too much and all of those things. And it's like, you do have to respect that, like, the world that you entered did not start on your day one, you know what I mean? And the groundwork was laid way before you came. I think that that relates, like, to something that I've always been, like, held true in my heart, too, is that, like, respecting just the elders of our LGBT community, because I think that so many times, you know, if I were to go, you know, during Pride and ask like, you know, a 19, 20 year old, most likely if I were to ask them about our history, they probably may not know. And so that's always a thing that I'm always like, just research. You know, you may have it really easy right now, but necessarily the other person at the bar may not have. So just do like research and just like figure it out because our history is so rich and so full, but it's also so negative and there's so many sad things that everybody should know about. Yeah. And like, and when you're fully informed of that, you can have respect for people. I think because what happens is, you know, like say I came in and I challenged the status quo and that changed things. And so whoever comes in new to them, this is the status quo. And they're blithely unaware of how much progress was made just for them to be unsatisfied. (laughs) It's like you, the problems you're dealing with, are at the bottom of the laundry list of things that I already checked off. You know what Exactly. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Your problems that you're complaining about are the things I would have taken and been happy with. Yeah. <laughs> Vixen threw the first brick at Berlin nightclub, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But nobody died, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, nobody died. A lot of people got canceled, but nobody died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of people got canceled. Some old dinosaurs, for sure. Uh, Well, as we are closing all of this out, I would just like to ask you a random question. For those who are listening right now, whether they are a fan of the Vixen from before or they're just becoming a fan right now, what is a little-known fact about you? Ooh... Little known fact about me, I guess maybe if you were in Chicago, you would see it. Little known fact about me is that I really, like, I dabble in, like, all worlds. And so, like, you will very often see me at a circuit party, and then you'll see me at a drag show. And to me, as I've matured and gotten older, it's become very important for me to 
be brave and insert myself into worlds that I thought that I wouldn't be welcome. You know what I mean? And I, um, I've been preaching this gospel and it's tough to um, kind of encourage people. I really believe that like a lot of times the places we don't go is so based on fear. You know, like we really think that like, oh, I can't be over there with those like muscle gays. They're going to judge me. But it's, they're not thinking about you. I mean, like I, I'm always preaching. I'm like, do you know, how insecure you have to be to work on your body every day. <laughs> I'm not getting off my couch, you know what I mean? Like, and so I really surround myself with an eclectic group, mixed races, different you know, socioeconomic backgrounds. And I don't do performative wokeness. I'm not only hanging out with Black people or only hanging out with drag queens to make myself look cool. I hang out with everybody and that really is the work. The work is, being around people who have a different background than you and having those hard conversations and, you know, opening their eyes, you know what I mean? And so I think a lot of times people are shocked to see that, like, I'm not just, like, with a posse of Wakanda. (laughs) 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 I, like, I really am actively doing the work all the time. And, you know, like, I go anywhere I want to go. I travel with my friends and we have a great time. But I don't hold myself to, like, what? Twitter thinks wokeness is. And um, I encourage everybody to do that. It does take courage and it does take, you know, effort to be in rooms with people and not every face looks like yours. But my epiphany was the world doesn't all look like you. And so if you really want to like have a full experience, you need to learn to coexist with all of these people. I love that you said the muscle gaze in the corner. They're not even thinking about you because that literally in my head in that moment, I was like, you know what? Why does it matter if you go up to them and you're like, oh, hi, how's it going? You never know. You may have a friend or they may be like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. At the end of the day, you didn't try it. Just try it. You know right. you- Yeah. It's like you didn't give them the chance to be shitty. You de- you decided that they were shitty. Yeah. Which is, that's you enforcing a stereotype. And what I learned once I started, like, you know, reaching out and, like, having a more mixed group is, like, you know, these people who, like, spend so much money on, like, circuit parties and traveling and stuff like that, they usually have, like, really stressful jobs. And this is their one weekend out. And they're going balls to the wall because they got to go back to work on Monday. You know what I mean? Um, and like med students are like that. I got in trouble for saying it before, but it's like, it's like everybody is here to have a good time. No matter what, what you drink, what drug you do, whatever, everybody came to the club for the same reason. And that's to let their hair down. So like, if you see somebody shirtless and sweaty on the dance floor, don't be afraid of that. They are just trying to have fun. If you're sitting at the bar judging them, you're the asshole in the room. Yes! <laughs> like, because they're not on the dance floor looking at you. You're at the bar j- making preconceived notions about what they think. And they're just doing poppers. So much business. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, see, these are the lessons that I love from the Vixen. You know, <laughs> last time I had you on, I learned things. This time I have you on. it. You, you open people's eyes. And I think that that's a great thing about you as an individual. Because you Thank also you. say things in a way that is very relatable, I guess you would say. Like, I can understand what you are saying as opposed to reading an article that's five pages long and I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, of course. And I guess, like, as we close this out, is there anything else that you have down the pipeline coming up, even next year, that you want to plug, promote, tell everybody to watch out for? 
yeah, I am definitely going back into the studio. I put out an album last year that I am really, really proud of. And lately I have just been nonstop inspiration and my notes app is full of songs now. So it's time to go back. So there, there will be new music coming, but please check out my album commercial break on all platforms right now. Oh, and I just started TikTok, so get that too. <laughs> yes, what's your TikTok at? My TikTok is at the Vixen TV. Okay, cool. And then where are you on the other socials? On the other socials, I am at the Vixen's World. Somebody took it on TikTok already. Damn it. <laughs> that is not acceptable. They always do that. I should have known to like grab the handle, <laughs> even if I wasn't going to be active, but it's okay. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, The Vixen, for stopping by and chatting with me. It's always a great time with you. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard, and that is the beautiful The Vixen. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed Dragged Out, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race. The Dip with two P's dot com. That's the dip with two P's.com. Use promo code EXPOSE for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from the dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, the Daily Pop Culture Podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am the Cute One, America and Ashley Olsen Podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. Expose yourself. Ooh.